Life Church created this podcast because we all need healthy conversations with real people. So this podcast is here to help you start conversations with your life group, friends, and family. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the You've Heard It Said podcast. This is Jason. And this is Allie. So on the wall in the room where our team planned this season, there's a list of things that we kept hearing people want more of right now. And we're thinking they're probably on everybody's list right now. So like, just listen and think, are these things you want more of? Okay. Humility, empathy, love, compassion, kindness. Like you could probably add some more of your own. So Allie and I were having a conversation about how do we sum all this up into one question? Is it called, mm-hmm. how do I live generously or others first? Or like, what, what do we call it? So Allie, how do we sum it up? Yeah, so I think as we were talking, we realized that the question we're probably asking is how do I live a meaningful life? Yeah. But I think what we were discovering is that the real question is how do I live sacrificially? Because, Big word. Yeah, <laughs> big word. Because then I think that leads to ending up living a meaningful life. So I was thinking about this a lot recently for two reasons. First, I read this verse in the Passion Translation for the first time, and it really got me thinking about what it means to live sacrificially. And so it's Hebrews 13, 15 through 16, and it says, We will show mercy to the poor and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness for others, for these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. And I really love that it phrases it as acts of kindness, Mm. because I think sometimes we think sacrifices are like this huge thing, but I think about just small things. Like recently, in fact, a bunch of my friends have brought me lunch or brought me coffee or brought me flowers when I was going through something really difficult. And I think that that's kind of the generosity that we all want in our relationships, but it's also both giving and receiving it. And so for a long time, I just wanted to be the person that brought everybody those things. And I hated being the one to receive them. But now I'm learning that when you're willing to receive them too, it actually makes your relationships grow deeper too. Mm -hmm. So... I think about this as like learning to share your toys when you're a kid. (laughs) It's kind of hard to share something if you're not willing to receive something from Mm -hmm. someone. So we actually asked a bunch of super normal grown-up people (laughs) to tell us their sharing stories. And then we're going to talk with Leslie, who in her early 20s made this decision. Actually, it was a lot of little decisions that turn into a crazy life that is like way super meaningful, but not the one she thought she wanted. Whenever I was serving in Life Church's youth ministry switch, one of the guys in our switch group was really into drums. And I knew this because he would bring drumsticks to church and just drum on a drum pad and play air drums and stuff. And I could tell he was super passionate about it. So I was asking him about it one day and I found out that he didn't even have a drum set. He would actually assemble a drum set of his own at home through pots and pans and buckets because he couldn't afford one. So I reached out uh, to uh, some people on Facebook in a Facebook group I was a part of. And I knew that there were a lot of connections to musicians in this group. And I thought we could probably assemble even a cheap drum set for him and surprise him with it. So my friend Adam responded and said, hey dude, I have a drum set I've been trying to sell. And I think maybe it's because I'm supposed to give this kid 
this drum set. And I was floored because I was expecting to get bits and pieces of different things. And this was actually a pretty nice drum set. So um, very excited. I took it from him and then I surprised him with it. And I mean, imagine someone that's been banging on pots and pans and buckets actually getting a nice drum set. And so he would actually go to abandoned parking lots and set up his drum set and just bang on it for hours. So shortly after graduating college, I was out to dinner with my fiance, Kenny, and we were adding up the numbers for my student loan debt. And we quickly became really overwhelmed by the amount that we were going to have to pay off. And so we were sitting there stressing out, wondering how we were going to be able to afford all of it. We didn't know exactly how, but we knew that God was going to take care of us. So before eating our meal, we prayed and thanked the Lord for the opportunities that we had even to go to college and having the loans that we had. And after our meal, our server came up to us and we asked for the check. And she said, well, actually, your meal has been paid for. And we were like, what? We were so floored that somebody had paid for our meal. And it was clear evidence that God was going to take care of us financially and that we had nothing to worry about. So the first thing that came to mind with generosity was how many times I've missed out on the cool group because I decided to sit with the well-known losers. And then immediately came to mind how many people have sat with me, a well-known loser, <laughs> when, uh, when they could have been with the cool crowd. So we had a 98 Toyota Camry. And there was someone that we worked with. We went to like a dinner at a restaurant and we saw the car that they pulled up in. And my wife and I looked at each other and we were like, wow, that car is not good. And so we decided to give them our car. And uh, we just asked and said, would you be interested if we gave you this car? And they're like, oh my gosh, yes, that would be great, but you don't have to do that. And we said, no, we want to. And it was just a little thing for us and felt really good about it, but it made a big impact on them. So a single mother that we know amidst COVID, the work that she was doing significantly lessened to where she wasn't getting as much money per paycheck. And the result of that is she was struggling. Me and my wife put out a, a request on social media with this specific need. And in a matter of five hours, we accumulated over $1,000 to help with school supplies, clothes for the kids, clothes for the mom, groceries, even money for like a fun adventure day before school started. So early on in our marriage, my wife and I moved into an apartment complex. And not too long after that, we actually started to become friends with one of our downstairs neighbors. We uh, discovered that he was about to get married and that they were actually looking for somebody to shoot their wedding. Now, I'm a filmmaker. And so Ariana and I actually left that conversation, went upstairs and said, you know what, we feel prompted to, to meet that need. I'm capable of meeting that need we want to. And so I went back downstairs and I told him, I said, hey, I want to shoot your wedding, but I want to do it for free. And so uh, we, we shot the wedding. Uh, everything went great. Now, flash forward uh, two weeks, um, we had an unexpected death in the family that we had to fly out to Florida to attend the funeral. And the parents of the bride decided that they, they knew of that and they decided they wanted to buy our flights out to Florida, which we didn't really know how we were gonna handle that expense. Both of those events, last minute flights and uh, the price to maybe shoot a wedding, those were gonna be about the same. But had either party not been obedient uh, in their generosity, we wouldn't have seen God bless us. So in 2014, my husband had a massive stroke 
where the doctors actually expected that he would not survive. By the grace of God, he did survive. And after a year in rehabilitation facilities, he was able to come home. And I had been attending Life Church. And so we wanted to attend church together at that time. And so I rented a medical van that would allow us to attend church. And we didn't have the resources to continue to rent a van. And the friend of my dad had actually heard our story and had made the decision and pulled some resources to gift us with their handicap accessible van. I was at a loss for words. It gave us freedom that we wouldn't have had. We would have been confined to home outside of doctor's visits. And so it changed the trajectory of us being able to even have community. That opportunity to attend church in that way saved our marriage, it built our marriage, and allowed us to have some life change that allowed a wonderful extra year and a half together before he passed away. And we had a great quality of life as a result of that. Leslie, we're super excited to have you on the You've Heard It Said podcast. So thanks for being here. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about what your faith was like when you were a kid? Did you always grow up going to church? I did not walk through the doors of a church until I was maybe 16 years old. Um, But I'm grateful. I can resonate so much now as a pastor at our church with what that feels like to walk through the doors for a first time. I had no idea what I was missing in my life, and I knew something was lacking, but I I didn't know what that was. But I I would look for every excuse I could think of to not being in a church. My mom was going to a Bible study, Mm -hmm. and a friend told her, you know, hey, your family has great morals, but you don't seem to really understand the faith that they're even coming from. And I just want you to come to this Bible study and see what you think. And my mom loved it. And so we started going to church there while I was in high school. And it was the first place that I really understood God's love Mm -hmm. and um, His grace. I actually went on a little mission trip with this church to do cleanup for Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. And that's where I accepted Christ. (laughs) Um, And I remember the scripture that as the deer pants for the water, soul, so my soul pants for you. And it was just mm. this understanding like that's it. That's what I've been longing for. I'm searching for all these different things in the world, hoping something will satisfy and fulfill me. So I was invited as a college student to Life Church by sorority sisters. Oh, and okay. it was so cool because at the time my family was starting to go to Life Church at home. And so while I'm in college at OSU, we're getting to hear the same messages and That's incredible. So what are some things that you started doing to really get plugged in and build your faith? And what did that look like for you? Honestly, at the time I was Mm -hmm. going to church and I really enjoyed being there to worship and to enjoy the messages. It took a while for me to take the step to serve. Mm. But taking the step to serve was the best step for me as a college student. That's awesome. So when you say serve, what did you start doing? 
My job was to clean up the auditorium after the service. Oh, cool. <laughs> At the time, we had a carpet in our auditorium. So it was like all the little gummies that people were eating during <laughs> service, pulling them out of the carpet, uh, cleaning up the spills. But I honestly, I loved it. It was just the mm. chance to you know someone was here, someone was worshiping. I'm praying for them as I cleaned up, and mm. I, I loved it. So what did that start doing for you and your faith? Like, what did that process look like for you? For me, how many connections to community I would find through mm. serving. Wow. And that would help continue to further and develop my faith. So the friendships, the community, mm. the joy in serving, the more exposure to being around God's people, it really did grow my faith as a college student. It was a big deal. I know because we were talking earlier that you also started serving at one of our local mission partners. And so I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about what that experience was like. So at the time, college student, I don't even have a clue what does the future look like after I graduate. I'm thinking maybe I'll get a email from my advisor and I'll get to be a prison guard. I have no <laughs> idea what the future looks like. The opportunity to maybe intern with the church comes up. And so get the chance to intern with Life Church, and then opportunity comes up to take a job. And my first role at Life Church is on the Life Group and Life Mission team. And I get the opportunity to start looking for local mission partners, organizations in our community that are getting it right, experts at knowing how to provide relief in the best possible way and truly care about long-term restorative care to those that they're helping. Okay. And two weeks into my my new role, someone walks past me in the lobby and pops me on the shoulder and he says, Leslie, you're new on the missions team. I've got something you have got to see. Hmm. And he and his wife pick me up and take me out to this group home. And it was one of the most incredible things. And his entire life group is there. They meet every week and once a month, they go to this local partner. Mm. And it looks like a block party. Mm. And at the time, they'd set up this opportunity for me to just walk around, see the grounds. It's beautiful, white picket fences. They have equine therapy. So it's a horse ranch. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's not what I expected oh. at all. I get to meet some of the boys and walking the grounds with their volunteer coordinator and youth pastor. I'm captivated at the story. I know I've heard of the foster system, but I've never really been exposed truly. At the time, I'm like 24. I didn't really know what that meant. What does that really look like in our state? Hmm. And he he's telling me, if you imagine each of these children have— there's a folder that comes with them. There's a cover sheet. And each of them would have, they've got all the boxes checked. So if you imagine, you know, abandonment, hmm. abuse of every kind, neglect, Thanks. hunger, they're checking every box. Unfortunately, not only are they checking each box, but they are setting the scene for the most extreme cases that our state has seen. And it's not due to behavior on their part. Unfortunately, these are things that have happened to them. And we get the opportunity to introduce them to good. 
mm. and kindness. And so there are so many ways that you could serve. And I've always loved Pastor Andy Stanley from North Point Community Church says to do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Mm. And yeah. it was so clear to me in this at that moment, I really want to be a part of that individual mentorship program and have the opportunity to care for someone here, mm -hmm. do for one person what I wish I could do for everyone. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to make an emotional decision. <laughs> so <laughs> I gave myself a, like a waiting period and then applied a few months later. Okay. So what was that process like? So definitely the most memorable moment for me was when the trainers in my face a little bit, making sure I understood, you know, if there's anything in this for me, mm. if I think that this will be glamorous or movie-esque in any way, mm. yeah. I, I need to walk away now because it won't be. And so otherwise, if that's not the case, then we can move forward and look at who I might want to be paired with. And immediately walked out, the, the boys were at dinner. And so we went, sat down at the detention table and a bunch of boys are sitting there talking. And after dinner, probably the one I least would have suspected at the table, he asked to come sit down, keeps his head down, looks at the floor, pretty much the whole conversation, and just lets him know that you're getting a mentor. And he said, I, I really believe Leslie will become one of the most influential people in your life, which wow. felt very alarming and weighty <laughs> to me. I'm like, I... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And that's the moment he looks up and smiles for the first time. And um, we walked back to his lodge, like very brief little walk. And I butcher the entire interaction. Feel terrible about it because it's really, really short. I don't think I realize how short the walk would be. I ask him, what's your favorite subject in school? He's, his name is Dakota. And I say, what's your favorite subject in school? And he says, P.E. I'm like, that's not a subject. What's your real favorite subject? <laughs> and he's like, I don't know, history. And I'm like, all right. And then we're at the door. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. Well, bye. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, what a terrible first impression. And so that's it. And like years later, I find out about a week before that, he'd actually had a chance to go to lunch with uh, Jeff, who had paired us together. And at this lunch, Jeff learns that Dakota has no one. Oh, There's wow. no family member. He's got the assigned appropriate people, a caseworker, an attorney, mm -hmm. but there's no one else in his life. Everyone else wow. has left. And he encouraged Dakota to pray. Mm -hmm. And Dakota told him, I don't believe in God. I'm not going to pray. And Jeff just said, Is it, I just encourage you to pray for someone to care about you. Wow. And Dakota goes back to his room and he prays and he asks God to send him someone that cares. Wow. And if you're real, how about in seven days? And, what? and so, <laughs> of course, Jeff does not know this at all. And then one week later, seven days, he's introduced to me, his mentor, oh, who wow. berates him about school. And <laughs> then, and when he gets back to his room, gets on his hands and knees on his rug in his room and accepts Christ because he wow. is like, clearly you are real and clearly you care for me because no one has ever asked me about school in my life. One way we can live out our faith 
in our world is by getting involved in neighborhoods and communities. And at Life Church, every campus has developed relationships with these trusted local mission partners who are making a difference. These organizations are all about creating lasting change through relationship. And here's fair warning. If you get involved, it will especially change you. So think about the things that break your heart, then choose a local mission partner and start living out your faith with your neighbors. And this whole thing is way better if you do it with your life group, your friends, or your family. So you can find a local mission partner near you at www.life.church forward slash local missions. So in your head, you don't know this yet. And so you're thinking like, this has gone terribly. I don't know about this. So you keep showing up and what did it look like to grow your relationship with him? Yeah, the original commitment is once a week and an hour each week. And I made the mistake of telling him I was going to do a 5K with our staff team. And so he said, great, I will train you. So the first training was nine miles. So your next meeting with him, uh-huh. you run nine miles? Uh-huh, loosely. Oh, yeah. okay. But yeah, so he thought he was my personal trainer. <laughs> so lots of running and talking. And then we got to start bringing him to church with us as a family, dinner after church. He started going to switch. So it's really started to accumulate over, you know, the next several months from once a week to multiple times a week. And so um, it was just just lots of different moments and opportunities to build relationship. Well, I love that you guys just kept showing up for him. I think that's something, you know, we can do for anybody in our lives that's really meaningful. But I imagine for him, since he had never had anybody, that must have been kind of a challenge. It's so hard for me to even imagine because I have not had that life experience. Yeah. But it was the first time in his life that he had had people that were consistent mm. and and trustworthy. And so for me, our sentiment was we, we're just not going to leave him. We're going to, yeah. we just want to go through life with him. Mm-hmm. And what he was most excited about was that our family had told him, hey, we're going we're gonna to stick out life with you. You've got a place at our Thanksgiving table. Hmm. I think that was just the first time he had heard commitment from people. Hmm. And I think that that started to like shift his perspective. For me, the shift was just knowing that was happening in us too, Hmm. that he was just a part of our planning for the future. I just started to pray that if there was anything legally possible that I would hear from someone of authority. And so about six months after I met Dakota, I got a call from his caseworker and his counselor and him on speakerphone. And they said, Leslie, we really believe you'd be the best placement for Dakota. Would you consider adopting him? I knew this was truly like an answer to my prayer. (laughs) However, I'm at the time I'm like 25. I think I dropped the food that was in my hand. I'm like, uh, look, I'll call you back. <laughs> and so I spent the weekend talked to both of my parents, my sister, and the gentleman that had actually paired us together initially, oh, staff yeah. at the boys' home. In my mind, I thought if if I have a green light from all of them, 
I really believe I'll, I can move it forward and at least go through the application process. Mm. And so I applied to Adopt Dakota and it initially was denied. So you prayed, God, if this is something I'm supposed to do, someone in authority needs to tell me. Mm-hmm. So that prayer gets answered and then your adoption gets denied. Can you just let us in a little bit on that moment? Obviously, it was it was very discouraging. There were several messages I listened to on repeat. One of my favorite series I ever heard Pastor Craig teach was about Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is this great story in the Old Testament about a man called to rebuild the walls of his city. And he is so determined to get these walls built in 52 days. He will not even come down. And there are several people that are working their best efforts to get him down. And he continues to reiterate, no, I am doing a great work. I will not come down. That Nehemiah series had a message called Defeating Discouragement and talked about the types of discouragement that you'll face internally, the types of discouragement you'll face externally. And I think I probably listened to that message a thousand times because I'd play it in the morning, I'd play it in the evening, and then (laughs) the next day, repeat again, and for months on end, repeat, repeat, repeat. And it was that same focus of like, go back to the wall. I'm doing a great work. Mm. I can't come down. And there were moments where I'd have to say, thank you. I'm going to get back to work. And I'm I'm still his mentor. We may be in an application process for adoption, but I'm, I am still mentoring. My family's still here. We told him that we're not going anywhere. I truly, at age 15, made a, a roadmap of my life. <laughs> this was not on it at all. <laughs> it had lots of things by 25, and this none of this was included. I learned so much. I mean, for me, I felt like I'm learning about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know you could have someone in your life that's advocating and working on your behalf when you're doing a thousand other things. And I really don't regret that season. One of my favorite parts of that season is him truly getting to witness my family advocating for him. He had yet to see in his life any sense of advocacy, anyone wanting to put in work for him. One of the state's experts in child psychology worked directly with Dakota, with all of you know the key players. Her discovery just noted that he, he really formed, as peculiar as it was for his age, his first maternal attachment to me when he was 15. Oh, wow. So 18 months later, after the first initial application, we were able to finalize his adoption into our family. Oh my goodness. And now it's been five years of him being adopted and lots of ups and downs, but a total joy. Oh man. Well, congratulations. First of all, that is so exciting. (laughs) I think a lot of times when we think about stories like this, we think about this like pivotal moment or whatever, but the adoption moment was huge. But I think it was before that showing up every Mm -hmm. week and being a part of his life that led up to that. And so that consistency, sacrificing your time, him probably sacrificing some comfort to get to know you plays a big role in it. And the other thing I love is that you did that when you were 24, 25. And so what would you say to anybody who's listening to your story and thinking like, do I have to wait until I've arrived at a certain point in my life? How can I do this if I don't feel like I have everything together yet? 
Yeah, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know that it was, um, there was not anything really glorious about it, but it was just the obedience. I think the point is just to be obedient and follow him every single day. That's what I still get excited about when Mm -hmm. I see other people's stories playing out too, is their story may not be the exact same thing. It's not likely that it is (laughs) to adopt a teenager in their mid-20s, but it's still so exciting to see someone being obedient Mm -hmm. and faithful with whatever wall God puts in front of them Mm -hmm. and celebrating the unique talents and purpose that God's put in front of them because a lot of times it's those unique purposes that do develop faithfulness and obedience. I think it's what you said. It's the, a lot of times it's more of the simple little things that culminate into Mm -hmm. that bigger moment that a lot of untold stories were, Mm -hmm. were behind it. Yeah, that's so good. So for anybody listening who's not really sure, like, I don't know what my purpose is, or I don't know what my wall is, or how do I know what my next step is, what advice would you give them? Go, like try. <laughs> I That's my favorite thing with this specific group home. It's just so easy to take a tour. So there's just so many ways. For me, it was me and my family getting to serve Dakota, and that developed into family. Mm-hmm. But I think whether you you get a chance to serve together as a family or as a couple or as a life group, there's just so many opportunities. So mm-hmm. yeah. probably linking arms with other people and starting somewhere, seeing what fits and makes sense for for you and your community of people. Yeah, one of the themes we've been talking about in this episode is what it looks like to live sacrificially. And so what did that look like on both sides? Like, what do you think it looks like for us to live sacrificially? And then what do you think it looks like for us to receive someone else's generosity or sacrifice? Such a good question. The first thing that comes to mind to me is there's joy in the sacrifice. And I just think about the sacrifice that Christ... (laughs) willingly did mm. for us. Like, And when I I think about sacrifice, it was so hard for me to even consider those a sacrifice, the, mm. the time in, in that season, because it was such a joy. Even the, gosh, there are moments throughout parenting, traumatizing, so hard. Like, take your breath away, but just so difficult. Mm-hmm. But... There's still so much joy. Mm-hmm. And I think clearly there's things that are given up. We give up things that we love for things we love even mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. And we've had plenty of time having a great Thanksgiving table, a great Christmas. Mm-hmm. Our living room is full of gifts. For us, the sacrifice of not having some of those moments so that we can be with this lodge of boys, it didn't compare Mm -hmm. because what we were gaining was a much larger family and much fuller and bigger hearts to spend our Christmas with them. And surely there's probably things that I've missed out on in the last several years because I chose to be a parent to him. But I would have lost out on so much more had I not followed through in becoming Dakota's mom. So I... It's joy, joy in the sacrifice.
All right, well, I'm just going to process this out loud. As I think about this, I think what I wanted her to say is like, I wanted to find out that she was like some kind of like superhero. <laughs> like there is something very special about Leslie, you know, like out of reach for the right. rest of us. So that then I don't have to feel like the way that I sometimes feel when I hear someone else's amazing story of sacrifice, mm -hmm. which is why am I not living that way? Mm -hmm. um, and then Leslie answers my question. <laughs> yeah. She says, really, I just try to do the next thing that God asked me to do. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, I think I can do that. <laughs> right. And I, the thing that I love about Leslie's story too is that she didn't wait until she had like arrived at mm. some milestone to start being generous. Right. She just did it. Like she just yeah. did the thing. And I think like maybe you're listening and you're like, that sounds great for Leslie, but there is no way that I could do that or I could not live that sort of meaningful life. And that's just not true. In a 2018 study of nonprofit donations, 72% of the money came from individuals. So oh. not like foundations or corporations or anything like that. So like your individual giving matters and it's not about the amount and it's also just not about money either. Right. It's about giving your life away. So like your time and your talent, your influence, your prayers, your friendship, and sometimes your money, but there's just so many ways that you can live that kind of life. Like Leslie was talking about just yeah. doing the next right thing. But seriously, um, these stories are awesome to hear, right? Mm -hmm. They're even more awesome to live. Right. So, don't just keep this as a story you heard that feels good to listen to. Try living it. Ask yourself, how have others been generous with me, not just money, but with their life? And how can I be generous with others? And talk with your friends, your family, and your life group. If you need an official question, it's what are some ways I've received generosity and what are some ways I can give generously to others, even in really small ways? hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode of You've Heard It Said. Remember the rule we've got on the podcast. We don't want you to keep listening unless you're talking with others about what you're hearing and doing some of the things you've heard said. So to help you have a conversation with the people you care about, we've got you covered with questions, resources, and more in the conversation guide. It'll be in the show notes wherever you're listening. Also, if you like today's episode, please leave a rating and review. We know, we know, everybody asks for one, but it really does help more people find these conversations. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you have a great week.